Welcome to the Peter Gabbett Podcast, folks. I am your extremely gracious host, Peter Timothy Hangston. Today it is December 29th, 2019. Now let's get this straight, folks. Portland, Oregon is where I'm from. It has always been known as a stoner city. We blaze there. I may have relocated, but I will always be a Portlandian. Even the Trailblazers just sounds like the person who made up the name was stoned. There's tons of trails everywhere, and we take them so we can go blaze. There's even current and former Blazers players with weed-sounding names. Kent Bazemore, or should I say, Spent Blazemore, Zach Collins, Crack Ballins, and even former players, Damon Stoudemire, a.k.a. Damon Potemire. He even got caught with a pound of dank and blamed it on his friend. How'd you like to be that guy's buddy? Hey, man, I'm an NBA player, so I can't get in trouble. Any way you could take the rap for me on this pound of weed? Arvidas a bonus. Our weed is a bonus. Scotty Pippen. Even Rashid Wallace. That's weed's flawless. Okay, that's stretching. My parents and their parents were part of a mass migration of hippies and stoners that left the crime-filled and crowded cities of Cali in the 60s and 70s looking for a better life in the Pacific Northwest, but still blazing it up the whole time. There is no denying it. Rip City is bong Rip City. I'm sure you all heard about the sad and tragic event that occurred in Hawaii recently. There were seven people on a plane, or a helicopter crash. They all got lost for over 12 hours. They finally found them, and, you know, it's a tragic event. It's so sad. I, I feel very bad for the families, the victims themselves. You know, but I will say this. Of all places in the world to die after a helicopter crash... This is by far the cream of the crop. I mean, the last thing you saw, the last air you breathed, and the last sounds you heard were of an indescribable paradise. In fact, I imagine crashing in a desert or a snow-capped mountain range, sitting there and freezing to death slowly or drying up like a worm on the concrete in midsummer. Well, there's definitely worse ways to go, and I, I think one person was still not found yet. Well, I'm thinking this dude went without his phone for half a day in paradise and regained his sanity and decided to live off the grid in paradise unlike all of us. Well, Godspeed, my friend. Godspeed. The movie tag can only be described as fucking rad. This thing is Awesome. It is a true story about a group of friends who kept the same game of tag going for 30 years. Every one of us in this world could only wish to have a group of friends as close as these guys were and as straight up imaginative as they were too. In the credits it even shows real home videos of the guys going to the highest levels of extremes in order to get close enough to one another to tag the other person. Imagine walking down the street and seeing an old woman with a walker creeping along and you think nothing of it, only to find out it's your friend you haven't seen in years who went to the great lengths to tag your bitch ass. Straight up gold 9 out of 10. I'm back on that Mandalorian subject again, folks. I just can't get away from it. Mandalorian, Baby Yoda, all that crap. Sorry, John Favreau. I know it offends you when people say Baby, baby Yoda. By the way, John Favreau, I mean, that guy is everywhere. When I was just watching Christmas movies this year, I swear it was in half of them. Not to mention, you know, he's in the greatest sports movie of all time known as Rudy. If you do not like Rudy, 
I do not like you. Sean Astin at his finest before he was Samwise Ganji. I'm telling you, Rudy, it's a tearjerker. Let's get out of that before I start talking about Rudy the rest of the whole episode. Mandalorian. Disney Plus's only good show. Now that the first season of Mandalorian's over, Disney Plus is 100% a worthless pile of shit. Other than that show, there's absolutely no reason for me to even have it. I can't even believe I spent all the effort using my mom's login to get free Disney Plus solely for a Star Wars show that left me needing more like a heroin addict with half a shot of black tar. Call me when season two starts and I'll have a reason to use it again. Also, where is Mando Calrissian? I need to know. They need to make a Lando Calrissian Mandalorian crossover. They could even call it Landalorian. I'm telling you, this, this is great. I need some Calrissian in my life. Mandalorian's not cutting it. Make it happen. A Rhode Island pizza maker is making it big by creating pizzas with toppings in the shape of pictures and what is called works of art. Using different colored ingredients like olives, sausage, tomatoes, mozzarella, and green peppers to create a Santa pizza and a reindeer one too. Uh, what is this? Breakfast on your sixth birthday? When your mommy would make you pancakes in the shape of Mickey's ears and head? I don't want my pizza in the shape of an art piece. I want it to taste good. That's it. What the F is this? Picasso pizza BS? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Picasso pizza. Pizzasso. Picazza? Nah, nah, nah. Screw that, it's dumb. My kids aren't even afraid of the dark, anything like that. As soon as I shut off the lights, they pass out like no problem. Same thing with my wife. I'd swear she was drunk every night because we try and watch a movie on the couch and she's gone by 7.30, 8 at the latest. Now, I'm not that way. I suffer from severe insomnia. If I do get any sleep, I need absolute silence and darkness and every 30 minutes I wake up either thirsty or, you know, I got to pee because I drank too much while I was thirsty or I just lay in bed thinking about life and the cosmos and why I exist and blah, 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 blah. But I think it all stems from one specific circumstance. When my brother scared the ever-loving shit out of me when I was young. Now, it all started when I had a twin-size mattress, which was basically my entire childhood. And let's be honest, folks, it fit me perfectly. It still does to this day. I'm a mini person. Twin-size bed. It rested upon a, you know, metal frame of sorts, uh, about a foot off the ground, although one side of the metal frame was held up by baseball cards, as I had Jimmy rigged it because the metal frame itself had fallen apart. And one night, when I was about seven, during the peak of my years of fearing the dark of night... I slowly prepared for bed in my room, conducting the various rituals I would perform nightly, including brushing teeth, fluffing pillows, lights, windows, etc. I laid down in the center of my bed to avoid any goblins or ghouls that surely resided on either side of it. Strangely enough, in the dark and silence, I began to hear a tiny scratching on one side of the bed, the side that had about a foot of space between the wall and the bed itself, a sort of gap, if you will. As I crept my head over the edge of the bed to investigate, the scratching became more apparent. Then I moved my hand under the edge of the bed to reach in and grab whatever it was. But before I could, 
A hand suddenly grabbed mine as I shrieked with terror. It then jerked me down so fiercely that my whole body slid down into the gap and I was pulled under the bed. I quickly realized this monster under the bed was none other than James, my older brother. He had actually stayed under my bed, waiting in the dark for probably at least an hour, if not longer, just to traumatize me permanently for fun. I have to say, to this day, I'm more impressed than upset. You got me so good, I got PTSD from that shit. And searched for James under my bed until I was like 14 after that. Congrats, bro. Yeah, I got me. One thing that's always made me laugh is the fact that when you are a kid and you have cheap shoes, I know about this because I always did, if you got some Payless off-brand knockoff Chinese crap or some British Knights, whatever, you're getting made fun of at school, you're getting treated like the dirt that they think you are, all because your parents didn't want to spend 75 bucks to buy you a little pair of Nikes they knew you would destroy in a week. But the craziest thing is, as an adult male... It is the exact opposite of that. If I see a friend of mine who's wearing shoes that cost more than 50 bucks, I'm making fun of him. I'm like, what are you, a woman, man? You're going to spend over 100 bucks on a pair of shoes because you like the way they look on you? I'm like, no, you're a grown man. You get whatever's cheap because you know you're going to destroy him doing manual labor. That's why it's manual labor. Unless you're sitting in an office all day, in which case, you're a chump. Now, i got to explain something that exists. Perhaps you already know about this. If not, uh, you know, here's some insight. It's called a phantom shadow. Now, uh, what is my obsession with shadow? I don't know. But every episode, i got to bring it up. Phantom shadow is one of the weirdest ones. I'm sure you've had one of these before. If not, here's what it is. You sit down. Your stomach's rumbling. You feel a turtle head poking out. And you need to get down there and just let it go. So you sit on the toilet, you squeeze and you squeeze, you feel that sense of relief, and you go to wipe, and there's nothing. So you figure, oh, it was just, you know, it was quick, clean shadow, you know, and it, one wipe or whatever. But you look down, and there's nothing there either. And you realize it was a phantom shadow. You feel relieved, you're good to go. In fact, Nothing would have changed had you not sat on the toilet and done this ritual of normal pooing. But the phantom shadow, no one knows where it went, what happened to it, and there you are. Phantom shadow explained. Well, folks, it's already happened. I'm pretty sad about this. My wife, or should I say, the phone destroyer has already broken the hand-me-down I just gave her when I got my new S10 a few months back. So each time I upgrade, she gets my old phone. Why doesn't she get a new S10, you ask? Because she destroys everything. She might as well have a Motorola Razor, because that's all she cares about is texting and being on Facebook. Or Amazon Prime for shopping, of course. Other than that, she is still phone illiterate. Plus, there's the simple fact that every phone I get is in absolute pristine condition when I'm done with it and I get a new one. So I give it to her and she immediately ruins it. Now we all know that every one number up with cell phones, you get another hundred bucks charge. So the S8 was 800, the S9 was 900, the S10 was a thousand. So she has destroyed, let's think about this, 
my old S5, S7, and now S8, each of which I paid for slowly until they were paid off with one of those shitty AT&T payment plans. So not only did I pay a total of 500 plus 700 plus 800 for the three phones she obliterated, I had to endure AT&T's shitty service for years while paying off each one. Thanks a lot, hon. Love you to death, but you ain't touching this overpriced $1,000 S10. That I didn't get insurance on, of course. My bad. In sports news, ladies and gentlemen, the two teams I care about in the NBA both lost on the same day. What a sad and tragic event. The Clippers lost to the Jazz. Once again, the Jazz proving that their season is not over and they're going to fight for that eighth spot in the playoffs. Dang it, Donovan Mitchell. I can't say enough positive things about that guy. Oh, man. I wish I could adopt him as my own son. Donovan Mitchell, you're a total badass. Way to go, Jazz. Clippers, step it up. Blazers lost, too, at home to the Lakers. That is pathetic. Usually, when the Lakers play the Blazers at home, they have no chance of winning. You know, they just fall apart, and it's the one time in my, you know, enjoyable season that I get to make fun of the Lakers and have a positive outlook on the Blazers in the same day. However, it was not the case. LeBron went off. The Blazers lost. Blah, blah, blah. FLA. My wife snores like a diabetic yeti with sleep apnea when she's pregnant. I'm telling you, it sounds like just like this. And not only that, but sometimes I'm able to slightly avoid it by rolling onto opposite sides of the bed as her. But then, as soon as I get comfy, she'll flip her body over facing her face right directly towards mine and breathing like a dying wildebeest. And I'm talking, it ain't pretty because it ain't no fresh breath either. You know, don't get me wrong. The wife's pregnant. She's doing all the hard work. I'm not, I don't have to do anything. I just sit here. She creates a baby. She is an amazing individual, so beautiful in every way. I can't believe she's going to create another beautiful human being for us to raise. I'm so excited. But OMG. I thought it was her who was supposed to be not getting any sleep from the pregnancy, but it's totally me. And we haven't even had the kid yet. When the baby's born, I'm definitely not going to get any sleep because she'll have to be going back to work. And who's stuck with the infant? Yours truly. But in the end, I got to admit, I still have it made. Because although she snores unbelievably loudly, at least then she can't hear me laying next to her watching porn. I got to tell you, folks, this next subject is touchy. Getting your young child to pee on their own without a diaper is a task, just a crazy task. I mean, it's much easier, in my opinion, for the little girl because they say they got to pee. You put them on the toilet. It goes into the toilet automatically. But now I got my young boy. He's two. He wants to pee on the toilet. And what? I have to hold his thing down so it doesn't shoot out or... I have to aim it for him, and the thing's too small for me to even grab. I don't get it. I mean, you know what? I just don't feel comfortable grabbing another man's Johnson and aiming it while he pees. So what do I have to do here, folks? You know, I had one person tell me, oh, oh, it's fine. You just got to let your son 
watch you pee a few times and he'll get the hang of it. And I'm like, so now I'm, I'm inviting my kid into the bathroom with me to stare at my Johnson. I just don't understand how these super abnormal things we've always had to do don't get twisted into all the messed up other shit that people complain about or say traumatizes them. You know, kids are always saying, oh, you know, I got beaten as a child or I was molested. Well, I don't even want to touch my kid's thing while he's trying to pee. You know, what kind of messed up memory is that going to put in his mind? I personally don't remember my dad grabbing my thing, so hopefully that didn't happen, or if it did, then props to you, old man, because I ain't trying to do it. So in conclusion, somebody come help me teach my boy how to pee. What's funny to me out here is when I'm at the beach and I see people's reaction who have never been to a beach before or an ocean. I mean, it's great. You can tell when it's them because as they walk up, you know, their eyes are lit up and the whole world means nothing anymore. They're just focused on that water and the waves and they're overwhelmed and they're kind of afraid to dip their toe in and definitely afraid to swim because it might sweep them away in their mind and all that. But the same could be said about my kids with snow. Like, what's going to happen when they see snow for the first time? I don't know. They've never seen it. And, you know, frankly, I'm just a little bit afraid to drive my 2013 Nissan Rogue, even with some chains on it if I had them, to any mountainous region around me to show my kids snow. It's not worth it. You know, I've been stuck on a mountain before. It wasn't good. You know, I'm just not doing it. But it is funny to me because as soon as my kids see it, it'll be like when a dog sees snow for the first time. They want to jump in there and rub their face all over it and roll around. You know, so I better bring an extra pair of clothes because I'm certain they're going to be doing some snow angels, you know, getting their knees at least wet sitting there. And I don't blame them. I miss the snow. I left the Pacific Northwest because of the rain, not because of the snow, folks. I loved it when it snowed during winter. The only problem was, especially in Portland, it would snow. And then as soon as you got an available time slot to go enjoy it, the rain would hit and it would turn into a slushy pile of crap. But, you know, that's still better than out here, where it has never snowed since I've lived here, and it will not. I mean, it's San Diego, folks. It's not going to snow. If it did, I mean, what would happen? The whole city would shut down. It already does when it rains. So I was at a beer fest uh, the other day. Woohoo! Not drinking beer. I was a food vendor there. Don't get excited. And I hired a guy to join us. He did a fantastic job. He knows who he is. Way to go, dude. But I will say this. He almost didn't make it, even though I had told him, I'd say four or five times the exact day and time I would be there to pick him up because he was hung over. So I showed up at his house. Uh, you know, things went awry in his life uh, recently, and so he ended up living back with his mother. Uh, I show up at his mom's house. Knock on the door, knock, 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 nothing. And I'm like, well, I need this guy today, so I'm not, I'm not giving up. So I start slamming on the door, just hitting it with everything I got. Finally, a little old lady opens it. Never seen this woman before in my life. She looked freaked out. It was super early in the morning, too. And she wanted me to leave, I could tell, the second she opened that door. And I'm like, lady, I'm here to pick up your son. I am pretty sure he's your son. If he's your, if he's your husband, then I got to talk to this guy. But I'm pretty sure I'm here to pick up your son. And uh, where the hell is he? And she, she's sitting there and saying, no, Daniel. And I'm like, no, no, your, your son, Daniel. I'm here to pick him up. You know, we're, we're going to do a, a barbecue job together. And she goes, no, no, Daniel here. And I was like, damn. 
I'm like, well, that's crazy because me and him had plans to go to this beer and barbecue festival and he was going to work with me today. And I, you know, I even showed her my outfit. It says barbecues and, you know, you can tell I'm a worker. Finally, she admits, okay, okay, maybe I see if he's here. So now all of a sudden he lives there again after I explain myself. By the way, his mom's a badass, totally looking out for him. My mom would have been like, oh yeah, walk on in, wake him up. She was watching his back in case I was like a debt collector or whatever. She straight up was like, nah, nah, ain't no Daniel here. And then all of a sudden, oh yeah, yeah, I forgot, he, he does live here. So I got the guy, got him out of his house, brought him to the beer festival. He was hung over his shit. He worked his butt off though, like worked as good as well as anybody who wasn't hung over. So I had no problems, no complaints for me. Fantastic job by the dude. But by the end of the fest, he was dying. I mean, he looked... Like, he was just about to fall apart, so he said, hey, man, I gotta go, I gotta go vomit. And I see him go toward the porta-potties, and I'm thinking in my head, oh, no, is this guy gonna go puke in a porta-potty? I mean, this porta-potty's been used all day by people eating barbecue and drinking beer, so you know it's disgusting. Are you gonna stick your head in that hole and vomit? I mean, my only hope was, and this is for his sake, that he just barely walked in the door and projectile vomited while standing there. But then I feel bad for the peeps who clean up these porta potties. Now they're finding a whole slab of projectile vomit sprayed across the inside of the porta potty. Either way, regardless of the scenario, I will never find myself puking in a porta potty. I would much, much, much rather just walk 10 steps right next to it in front of everybody facing the embarrassment, and vomiting, vomiting at a beer festival. I would just say, yep, I drank too much, whatever. You think what you want, you know, but I am not sticking my head in that hole of death in a porta potty vomiting and having the chance that some of that splatter will come back and hit me in the face. You poor, poor bastard, you. But you did a great job, and seriously, I'm going to hire you for the next event. Don't be hungover. Folks, it's time for the portion of the Peter Gabbett podcast we have all been anxiously awaiting. It is real stories on the Peter Gabbett podcast brought to you by Peter Timothy Hankst and Barbecusion. And today, we are talking about a time, now this being a not embarrassing moment for the other individual, I'm going to use his real name for this circumstance because it's, it's not going to matter to him. It's only going to matter to me. I'm the one who's an ass, and we all already know that, and it's my podcast. So Ben Wolf. Shout out to my boy, Ben Wolf, one of my best friends of all time. He got married to a wonderful woman. She's so amazing. I could not have handpicked a better wife for this individual. And they live in Oregon, of course. I live in San Diego. So it was my, you know, it was up to me to go to their wedding. And where does he choose to get married? Oh, on top of a mountain. Yeah, that's right. Mount Hood. And for those of you who know about the Pacific Northwest and the Cascade Range, Mount Hood is a giant mountain right outside of Portland, always covered in snow, known for its famous Timberline Lodge, which is where he decided to have the actual ceremony. So I'm pretty excited. I'm like, hey man, I haven't been on Mount Hood in many years. I'm going to see some snow. It's going to be great. Let's go. So I get to Oregon. You know, I'm, I'm at this point, I do have one child, not a second one, but one. Uh, and Claire was so young, I was like, you know what, she's not going to go to the wedding, she's just going to be loud and crazy, I'll leave her with my wife's mother, who lives in Oregon, she'll babysit the child while we go to the wedding. So we rented what we thought would be a perfect vehicle for an escape such as this. What was it? It was a Ford Escape. 
you expect it to escape places. It goes up a mountain, it goes in some water, you know, it escapes. And so we grab a Ford Escape and we start rolling. And we get to the base of the mountain and think, maybe we should have got some chains. But you know what? We don't have them. It's not our car. Let's risk it. Bad decision. We make it about halfway up the mountain and realize that the traction on our Ford Escape is very low. In fact, the tires were pretty much bald. I should have checked them first. And we start to slide backwards in some of the turns. We somehow force the vehicle itself almost to the very peak of the mountain where the Timberline Lodge is. And right at the base of the entrance to the lodge, we get stuck blocking traffic for everybody who's trying to make it up to this lodge. And you know what? It sounds like there wouldn't be that many people, but there was a ton. I don't know if they were all headed to Ben Wolf's wedding or what they were doing or they were just skiing or snowboarding, whatever. There was a ton of people waiting behind us and we started to drift backwards toward them. So I had to get out of the Ford Escape and try and hold it on a mountain with my own weight and strength, which is very weak and light. So that didn't work. And as we start sliding backwards, I'm like waving to the cars behind us, you better start backing up because we're going to smash you. And since this is a rental, I'm going to owe a ton of money and I'm going to owe the people whose cars I smashed. So I managed to slide the Ford Escape as we tried to drive it to the side and let cars pass me. And what passes me next? A Honda Civic with no chains. Everybody's cruising by. No problems. How come I can't get a foot ahead of where I'm at in a Ford Escape, and these teeny little cars are cruising by like nobody's business. So I call the front desk of the lodge, and I say, hey, folks, I'm literally blocking traffic. If you even want some more customers for the day, you're going to have to find a way to get me this mountain, pretty much. So the choice was, from them, I could either hire their specific mountain tow truck guy to drive from the base of the mountain up and tow me all the way back down, for the small price of $800. Or I could wait for this guy who miraculously may show up or not, who harnesses a giant batch of gravel in the back of his truck, which he then pours on the snow in front of people who are stuck so that they can get traction. So I look for this guy vigorously. I'm looking, I'm looking. I see no guy. At this point, the wife is screaming at the top of her lungs, saying things like, Get me off this mountain now, or I'm gonna freak out. And I'm stressed, and my buddy's wedding is about to begin. He's called me multiple times to say, Hey man, we're walking out for the actual ceremony right now. Where are you at? So I proceed to tell him that I'm right near him, but I'm stuck on a mountain with a rental. So finally, I see the gravel guy, and he tries to drive right past me, and I say no. I jump in front of his truck and say, man, I need you. Obviously, I'm blocking traffic. Can you pour some gravel in front of my piece of crap Ford Escape? And the worst part about this whole thing, to be honest, was my Ford Escape had Cali plates on it. So not only did I look like an ass who didn't have chains, but I looked like the true California ass that I am with those plates on the car. So finally, I get the gravel. I start to get a little traction. I jump in the car as I'm pushing it and helping it go, and we finally make our way up to the parking lot of the mountain. But it's not over yet. We can't even get the car to stop from sliding towards the other cars in the parking lot and almost bashing multiple cars instead of just one. 
So I have to call Ben Wolf's entire wedding party to stop everything they're doing and immediately run outside in their suits and help me glide this Ford Escape into a parking space, not knowing what the hell I'm going to do after the ceremony ends. We finally get it into a spot where it seems like it'll somehow stay. And we go back in. I had missed the actual ceremony itself, of course. I got to join them for the reception. I felt terrible. And when all was said and done, I still had to make it down that mountain. Now, down was going to be way worse because my brakes weren't going to work when I slid down the mountain. So if anyone was in front of me, they're for sure getting smashed. So the only thing I could do was find some zip ties and wrap them around the wheel so that I could get enough traction to kind of get going until I was about a third of the way down the mountain where I had multiple people I knew in front and behind me so that if I smashed anyone, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But still, I felt horrible. Half of Ben Wolf's friends I didn't even know. And the first time I met him, they had to help me with this tragedy. And it was just flat out ridiculous. And the one question I have for Timberline Lodge is, why don't you carry chains in your lodge for this specific circumstance. The guy told me, we no longer carry chains anymore. We used to have them in our gift shop, but we just decided against it. Well, why the hell don't you still have them? Can I put in a bid or a, you know, a just anything to get you to have those on hand so that the next dumbass like me from Cali driving a Ford Escape rental POS with bald tires doesn't get stuck while he's trying to see his friend get married on Timberline Lodge in Oregon. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no bigger dumbass than me. Next time you're thinking, man, I made a mistake or a stupid choice, you know, just flick on the Peter Gabbard podcast because you're certain to hear a story about a time that I did something dumber than you. Congratulations for being smarter than I. And you know what? I hope to see you tomorrow. Listen in. I'm sure to have a wonderful show for you. It's going to be amazing. I love all of you. Thanks for tuning in to the Peter Gabbett Podcast. This is Peter Timothy Hankst, signing off. Folks, I'm going to end today's podcast on a high note with one of my favorite rappers of all time known as Aesop Rock. Here is the song, Daylight. I did not admit the wheel, I was the crooked spoke adjacent While the triple sixers lassos keep angels roped in the basement I walk the block with a halo and a stick, poking your patience Y'all catch a 30 second flash visual Dirty cooperative men platoon, bloom head trips, split ridiculous Bad on the splicing of first generation Fuck up with trickle down any hero smack I'm pacing the game with zero hour completion green slash Duke of early retirement, pick a dream American nightmare hog in the screen The door opens so you can stumble in If you'd stop following me round the jungle gym Now it's honor and I spell it with the I stole from heritage, merit crutch, stole the wretched refuse of my teeming resonance, I promise. Tempest towards breed with a bleeding conscience. See the creed accents responsive, but my sports divorce the wattage, and I'm sleeping now. Wow. Yeah, the settlers laugh. You won't be laughing when your covered wagons crash. You won't be laughing when the buses drag your brother's flags to rags. You won't be laughing when your front lord spangled with epitaphs. Won't be laughing. And I'll hang my boots to rest when I'm impressed. So I triple knot them and forgot them. This origami dream is beautiful, but man, those wings will never leave the crown without a feather and a lottery ticket. Now settle down. Day, put the pieces back together my way. All I ever wanted was to pick up on the day.
post. Shimmy crossed the center fold. And that time in gold, divvy crumbs for the better souls. When seven deadly stains did hit a flame to crystal conscience, the results are low life counting on one hand when he's accomplished. Okay. Hit the activism chain, activate streets, we plug deteriorating sentiment, pen dragon. A hox was course for the morbid spreading of mad mally. Got sick in the Lincoln Lord cabin and Charlie Chaplin. Wow. I could zigzag and sick up again, but a bash gleam sparkled in my brick wall windows. Another thick installment of one night in Gotham without the wretched. Houston, we have a problem. Attached in a festive batch of city goblins who split holiday freak on a box cut center. My high road bellow head rips. Watch red bricks turn yellow. Sort of similar to most backbones at Camp Icarus. Raw feeling crafts congregating get pampered for bickering. Life's not a bitch. Life is a beautiful woman. You only call her a bitch because she won't let you get that pussy. Maybe she didn't feel y'all shared any similar interests. Nope. Or maybe you're just an asshole who couldn't sweet talk the princess. Kiss the speaker wire. Peter pacifism pegging threshold. Stomach full of halo kibbles. Wingspan cast black upon visuals. Hit a duck hunt, ticker tape vision, and pick apart the pixels. I got a friend of polar nature, and it's all peace. When I see similar stars, but can't sit at the same feast. Metal captain, this cat is asking if I've seen his bitter lost passions. Told him, yeah, but only when I pedal past him. All I ever wanted was to pick up.